This is the Defenders Podcast on TV Podcast Industries. This time we're talking about Hawkeye Episode 4, Partners. Am I right? Hawkeye and I are working on a case uh, and we needed to use the bathroom. I he, he, he did. So we were by the house and we dropped in. No big deal. Working on a How case terrific. together? He's my partner. We're not partners. Well, we're friends slash partners. I wouldn't really describe us as friends. Welcome back, fellow Defenders. This is Defenders Podcast on TV Podcast Industries. We're talking about Hawkeye Episode 4, Partners. Am I right? I really want to give the inflection right there. I'm just not sure it's coming off. I probably need a better New York accent. Am I right? Just not working. <laughs> yeah. I am Chris. I am joined by my illustrious partners in crime. Am I right? Um, I hope we're partners in heroism, Chris. Uh, I'm one of your hosts, Derek. Yes, crime and podcasting I yeah. guess <laughs> probably and more podcasting welcome fellow defenders I am of course one of your other hosts uh, Detective John better known as Johannes of Ormskirkendale <laughs> <laughs> I like it I like it very good yeah I do love how that the there's a cop and a fire per- person in this episode both who have committed crimes <laughs> exactly <laughs> one yeah. is dead both have committed theft actively <laughs> in the show and you're like, but you're supposed to be the good guys what <laughs> yes that could take us on dangerous theories uh, as to its reflection of uh police forces i guess yes <laughs> before we do that we are here fellow defenders to talk about hawkeye episode four if you are joining us for the first time what the hell but welcome <laughs> thank you uh why not pop on over to our website at tvpodcastindustries.com where you can subscribe to each and every flying or grounded podcast um, subscription service. We are there. We're on Spotify. We're on Podcast Addict. We're on Apple uh, Apple Podcasts or Apple Music, whatever they call it these days, and Google Podcasts. You name it, we're there. If we're not there, why not send our illustrious producer an email to feedback at tvpodcastindustry.com and mm-hmm. go, Oi, governor, you're not here. And then he <laughs> goes and puts us there. It's that simple. Yeah. But you can also send your feedback to feedback at tvpodcastindustry.com for each and every episode. Or if you want to give join in with a bit of banter with some fellow defenders, why not head over to facebook.com slash groups slash tvpodcastindustries where each and every week we put up a spoiler post for each episode of the shows we're covering and we invite some feedback and we read it out on the show. Yeah, absolutely. We've been getting some great feedback in on, on Wheel of Time and on Hawkeye uh, over in our Facebook group. So, yeah, loads uh, of the stuff. Yeah, really good, really good. Great to hear your thoughts, especially on something as complex as the other show we're covering, Wheel of Time. Um, great to hear the thoughts of our of our fellow wheelies over there. And of course, always great to hear the feedback from our fellow defenders. Exactly. But... That is at the end of the episode when we discuss their feedback. Before we do that, do we want to discuss this episode in detail with who gave us what? Derek, give us some details. Absolutely, yes. This episode was written by Aaron Cancino and Heather Quinn. Heather Quinn's a staff writer on the show. Uh, Aaron Cancino doesn't have any writing credits before, uh, so a, a first-time writer for this for Hawkeye. So that's cool to have uh, these two people on board, and I think... Um, to show my hand a little bit, this is a great episode. So, uh, so well done to Aaron and Heather for uh, for writing this episode. Really enjoyed it. So, uh, yes. hopefully, see big things out of them in the future. Mm-hmm. 
especially the MCU. Uh, the episode was once again directed by Bert and Bertie, who we spoke about last week as the two uh, co-directors uh, for this episode. John, do you want to tell us what they all gave us with your synopsis for Hawkeye? Episode 4, Partners. Am I right? Okay, Bert. Sure. Clint Barton and Kate Bishop managed to defuse the sword-to-the-neck situation after Jack Duquesne and Eleanor Bishop recognise him as an Avenger. But learning about their partnership, Eleanor asks Clint to keep her daughter out of their investigation into the tracksuit mafia. But Clint just promises to keep her safe and leaves, sneaking the Ronin sword with him. Later that day, Eleanor leaves an urgent message to an unknown person to inform them of the situation. But Clint is suspicious, and with the help of his wife Laura, he discovers that Jack is the CEO of Sloan Limited, a shell corporation that launders money for the tracksuit mafia. That night, Kate tries to soften the blow of another night away from his family as she throws an impromptu Christmas party for Clint, Pizza Dog, and herself. As the slushy cocktails flow and the two reminisce, Kate deduces that Hawkeye took up the mantle of Ronin during the blip. The next day, after many cups of coffee, Clint locates Kazi and asks him to talk down Maya Lopez out of her vendetta against Ronan, while Kate enlists the LARPers to retrieve the trick arrows out of the NYPD lockup. In a follow-up call from Laura, she informs her husband that the Rolex watch stolen by the tracksuit mafia is still emitting a tracking signal from a building in downtown New York. While Hawkeye keeps watch from the roof of the building opposite, Kate goes to retrieve it, but soon discovers that the watch is located in Maya's apartment, where she also keeps notes on Clint Barton and his family. As Maya confronts and attacks Kate, Hawkeye is ambushed by a masked assassin, but he manages to zipwire to get Kate out of Maya's apartment, where she joins him to fight both Maya and the unknown assassin. In the ensuing fight, Kate injures Maya, forcing her to retreat. Hawkeye manages to unmask his assailant, and comes face to face with Yelena Belova, Natasha Romanov's sister, before she also escapes. With the realization that a Black Widow assassin is now involved, Clint refuses to put Kate in any further danger and breaks off their partnership. Ooh, connecting an MCU movie to a Marvel TV show in uh, the greatest way possible in this episode. Thanks, John, for the synopsis. That was cool. Yes. Do you think we'll get Val on the rooftop next episode? Who knows? I think we're very likely to get Val. Uh, I think so in, too. In this yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's, 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 a, it's a definite now. <laughs> uh, but there we have it. That was a fantastic synopsis, John. Thank you very much. But let's move on to our top three arrow points as we discuss the ins and outs of our quiver of this episode. Mm-hmm. Starting number one. Why is there an Avenger in my apartment? <laughs> we had said last week that we didn't think this uh, this moment between Jacques and uh, and Clint would last very long. Uh, we knew it would be broken up, but uh, but Eleanor arriving in uh, was was a good surprise. It was a good way to break it up and have this kind of family moment uh, between Eleanor, Jacques, and Clint and uh, and Kate uh, trying to understand. Why is there an Avenger suddenly in this house? And I, lo- I love that it goes straight for Kate going. Oh no, he needed to use the toilet. But we're in a partnership, and uh, I'm doing Avengers level stuff. Uh, he needed to use the toilet, so we uh, we decided to go inside uh, of your apartment because we're walking by here anyway. I <laughs> love that. That's the instant excuse she goes for, but still bigs herself up in it, still saying that she's on a Avengers level case. <laughs> like that was really good fun. I like how they subverted the expectation. Like at the end of the last episode, we assumed okay, there's going to be a bit of a fight between Hawkeye and Jock. We're going to see a bit of swordplay. We're going to be 
Like, that's the assumption when you have someone at, like, there's going to be a bit of rough and tumble. And instead we get a quite fun sit down at a table going, ah, no, what, what is, what is this? Uh-huh. And that even continues further once Hawkeye goes. Um, but I just really enjoyed, I really enjoyed the whole the aspect of this. Uh, yeah. and even like, uh, Kate's mom calling her out going, do you know why my credentials were used on my laptop and uh, by any chance? Oh, no, 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 no. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. That's, that's great. I love, you know, again, Kate pushing this thing, the title of the episode, the, the pushing this relationship kind of going, Oh, no, we're partners. Uh, and Hawkeye kind of going, we're not partners. Uh, <laughs> but we're friends. Not really friends either. <laughs> I just <laughs> met you. Just great back to back, uh, back and forth between them while she's trying to explain to her mother why she could possibly have hacked into her uh, her computer <laughs> system and her credentials. <laughs> yeah, loved all this. Loved kind of just how it played out um, with almost Jack and Eleanor being just really pleased that there is an Avenger in there. But also the other two parts of it is we get a really nice moment as Clint leaves. Um, and it's kind of the start a, a bit really through this whole episode of um, Clint being reminded of Natasha Romanov mm-hmm. uh, where, you know, Eleanor through genuine concern for her, her daughter is, you know, let me clarify being good is not enough to keep you alive. Yeah. Um, and it, it, it's really, you know, she, brings up Natasha by name. And so, it, you know, it has that impact uh, with Clint before he goes down the elevator. So, um, you know, we've talked about the dodginess of Eleanor where she seems pretty clean cut and, and all this, but ultimately then the, there's a, a little uh, private call that she makes to some unknown person where she she's just leaves a message but asks for them to to call them back urgently uh, and this you know is very much linked in with her trying to get clint to to drop this case that yes. he's doing which he can't do and he tells her so so and not uh, just tells her he says he's not even going to kick kate off the case he's going to he says i'm going to take care of her i'll make sure she's safe yeah. uh so completely going against her wishes which are stop investigating this at all because that's the only way to keep my daughter safe yeah, yeah, that's the stated uh, intention and rationale and reason. I don't think it is. Like more and more, Eleanor is becoming the dodgy mother. Like I honestly don't think she cares about Kate to that level. Um, like in that, like she's starting to understand that they are investigating potentially stuff that is linked to her. Absolutely. Yeah, and using so, her kit as well through yeah. the, the computer. Yeah. So I'm starting to just believe it is not. It is essentially she is self preserving here. Yeah. It's she a good play just, to, to yeah. use uh, to use Kate and, and you know, it would, it would make sense that her that her mother would be really concerned that her daughter's going out fighting crime with a with a former Avenger. Um that that makes sense that she would uh, she would say yeah. that. But you're right, it serves a double purpose. Uh, will you drop the case is basically what she's trying to say, but a great way to do it is to say, uh, I want to keep my daughter safe. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. I think the other good thing is because of this, it forces Kate to sit with Jack and Eleanor. Uh, you know, a lot of this series, we, we've seen her out in the town with Clint, mm-hmm. um, a, a bit of a distant relationship, certainly from 
from Jack, but but even with her mother. And I, I did quite like that we we get that extra moment once Clint has left where uh, you, you hear the two of them talking in the background, but there's this small glimmer of a potential family life between Jack, Eleanor, and mm-hmm. Kate where you have the dance and the serenade, and Kate is, seems quite surprised at that. Yeah. There's... Um, the 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 laugh uh, at Jack over his uh, aphorisms that mm-hmm. he doesn't get right, um, and it's really good for that. That reminded is, me of it. Who's it? Is it Biff Tannen from uh, from um, Back to the Future? Yeah. Who always has the um, we need to we need to blow this popsicle stand and get the flock out of here or something. Yeah. Like that it's always that he's that he's mixing two aphorisms together to create something that he thinks would be right. Uh, that's the kind of fun we have with Jack here is that he always gets those descriptive phrases wrong uh, in front of them absolutely it, it sounds like they've never they've all noticed it but never said it to it before which... yeah and and this is the time and jack takes it on the chin as well just saying you know i prefer to be laughed at than spend my my christmas alone exactly. and the other nice bit i liked about this is were is the opening of this as well with kate lying on the couch and you hear eleanor and jack talking about well she seems very kind of cool about hanging around Hawkeye mm-hmm. and you have Jack say yeah you know if I ever met uh, my hero Huey Lewis <laughs> I'd be a mess around him <laughs> uh, I'm just thinking it just brought me back to H- Huey Lewis and the news um, and all that stuff another back to the future connection yeah there exactly <laughs> that scene in particular was kind of mean because you think they're miles away they're literally across the coffee table. Yeah. Where yeah. she's sitting and lying because I was like, that's kind of mean. Like they're talking about, it sounds like they're talking in another room or like that's the, the, the way they are, the way they are talking sounds uh-huh. like they're in another room. Yeah. And it's not, they're just like, they're talking about Kate when she's like right there. I was like, Ah, <laughs> but mean. she's but zoned okay. out, and yeah. that's yeah. So, and the, and she does get her own back uh, later when she criticizes Jack's ability to make aphorisms. So, uh, yeah, I guess, I guess yeah. that, that that's part of family. But but Jack's assertion that he's he's much happier being uh, criticized by family rather than spending time alone does lead to Kate deciding that she needs to go and take care of Clint to Christmas. Absolutely. Yes, a- absolutely. That it rips her away from her immediate family to her her kind of new partner yeah. family. Uh, I, but uh, this moves us to our arrow point number two, which is a, a Christmas party for two. Um, but it should actually be three. Yes, it yes, should. Because there is pizza dog there as well. Yeah. To be honest... I thought you were going to say the ghost of Black Widow. Well, well <laughs> there, there is also the ghost of Black Widow, and I guess the spirit of... Uh, Kate's auntie as well that's still there I mean can you imagine I am waiting for possibly in the final episode she's going to come back and this apartment's either going to be in a complete mess or she's going to stumble in on Clint uh, and Kate or something mm-hmm. uh, just to, that that kind of comedy element of who are you who are you and why, um, are, you my and why are you in my apartment yes. uh, but uh, the first thing I'm going to say is it was a pleasure to see Chris's favorite drinks uh, in a uh, Marvel television show with the frozen <laughs> slushy ice packs and um, pina coladas, strawberry daiquiris. Uh-huh. 
you name it, parrots all over them, uh, being used as ice packs. Yeah, I think, uh, I think the minute it came up on screen, really I was good. going, we have three of those in our, in our freezer. <laughs> 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 exactly. <laughs> Uh, I wanted some frozen daiquiris and they came in single pouches. It was fantastic. Um, when I was over with my, my fellow defender in hosts and yeah, no, but they also make great ice packs. I'm not going to lie. It, it's multifunctional. The really wife is. said the exact same thing to me. She goes, they're the ones that you bring over to Derek and John. I was like, I did that once. Let me please forget it. And on top of that, Yes, they are multifunctional. They're fantastic. She knows you well, Chris. She knows you well. I'm sure she has a few uh, on standby in case you hurt your arm. or. Uh, oh, I actually have two in the freezer right now. <laughs> excellent. Excellent. <laughs> uh, but the whole purpose of this Christmas party is obviously to cheer up Clint because he's away from his family, pretty importantly. But they, uh, Kate kind of slips in the investigation here, as does, as does Clint. They're trying to work together on... Yeah creating a plan for going up against the people that they've uh, that that they've realized are involved so clint has realized that jack is involved he's uh, he'd made the call to his wife laura who's done the investigation and found out that the tracksuit mafia are uh, working for this front organization sloan limited and jack is the ceo of that organization so yep interestingly he's directly involved here we've been saying since the first episode that eleanor's definitely involved and maybe jock's a patsy but it seems like Jack is actually directly involved here with the Tracksuit Mafia, or at least his name's on the forums. Yes, exactly. I was going to say, I still think that they're trying to make you think it's all about Shock. Yeah. I think the whole thing is, Shock is the Patsy. I think that's what they're, they're going to... Yeah. The big reveal is it was Eleanor all along. Mm. Shock had no idea, and is just quite good with a sword. And then there is potentially a... Maybe the uncle is an auntie or the uncle is the uncle was um kate's original father right um the the one that we saw in episode one yes yes absolutely ruining the internet's fun uh that it's that it's kingpin coming into the show because <laughs> the more i'm looking at this episode i'm just like i don't i think we're getting another ralph boner Mm-hmm. I think that's where it's going. I think it's had expectations. And sorry for those who didn't watch One Division. There was uh, a whole piece around Ralph Boner and who is Ralph Boner, what is a Ralph Boner. Um, it, it turns out he 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 was a nothing character, and he he portrayed a, a somewhat known character in the the show. Um, I think that's where this is going. Everyone wants King Bin to be in it. Yeah. But they're going to I, get Ralph Boner. Well, no, I think they're going to get someone else. I think Uncle is someone else. I don't think it is Wilson Fisk. I hope I'm wrong because I would absolutely be hugely adore Vincent D'Onofrio or just Wilson Fisk, the character of Kingpin, being back in the MCU. Mm-hmm. Kevin Boner? Will they get him? Could, they could get a Kevin Boner, yeah. <laughs> we'll just see. But I, I, I think the whole thing is that it's going to be Eleanor was yeah. Eleanor it was Eleanor all along. Yeah, instead agreed. of it was Agatha all yeah. along. It's just because it's getting really close to the end now. We've got two episodes left, and I think the big reveal is who is above Eleanor, because we know Eleanor's involved, or we all think Eleanor's involved. So it's who is the boss, who is the one above yeah. Eleanor, because she makes that phone call, as you mentioned. Uh, she makes that phone call to somebody else that she reports to, we presume, even though it's just a voicemail that she's leaving. Um, so that's who we think could be the kingpin reveal that we talked about on the last episode and again i'll repeat if it's not kingpin there's going to be some very very angry people on the internet i saw my favorite meme so far in the last week uh today which was 
the poster of Uncle Buck, the uh, John Candy. Yes. With, oh, yeah. Uh, Uncle Fisk uh, written underneath it. And, yeah. uh, and Vincent Afrio knocking on the door, Hawkeye and Kate on the inside of the door. Really cool. Uh, like that. Like that mock-up. I, I saw that too. That was fantastic. But you made this point to me. I was either on the podcast or off the podcast um, where you said, we never saw Kate's father's death or anything. It was all off screen. Like, it could just be him. They were having Absolutely. money troubles before. He went off. He, he, they basically, he, he went into hiding and he's been off grid. And that's why yeah. the mother, Eleanor, is good to go with a Jacques and stuff like that. Or it was deep cover with Jacques. Mm-hmm. Like, yep. she doesn't love him really. She was there for the money. It's all like, I think that's where it's all starting to head to because you're right. It's two hours, not even two hours left. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Unless the, End credits, basically, Wilson Fisk coming in mm-hmm. for the last, literally the last scene, which is that the special end credit kind of like he yeah, goes, it could the, be end credit. Whoever was like the, the void has been open and goes, right, basically the Thanos, I'll do it myself right. moment. <laughs> where it's like, they, yeah. Or they do a real Christmassy end credit where it's Jessica Jones, it, it's Iron Fist, it's Daredevil, all kind of doing some kind of panto thing um, <laughs> somewhere in hell's kitchen or, or harlem even right, with uh, page in the audience like yeah yeah very which would be really good um <laughs> yeah I, the thing is as well is and just before i say it i do like chris that you kind of accurately captured our states at the moment we're either off podcast or on podcast <laughs> uh, with we are uh, podcasting a lot of <laughs> with all the podcasting that we're doing um but yeah, this was great kind of, um, well, it was a nice thing for Kate to do. And I like that Clint recognizes all that. I have to say whether it was the combination of, um, you know, the Christmas nostalgia coupled to the alcoholic slushy drinking uh, mm. that they were doing. But this, the the Christmas reminiscing really did kind of start to bring... The, the promise of movie marathons and Christmas tree decoration and cocktails and snacks and pizza uh, down a bit. And here we get another reference to Budapest and to Natasha Romanov um, being the best shot and um, was the one that Hawkeye didn't uh, actually take and mm-hmm. um, that he, you know, saw that there was something about her that wanted to get out of her as a black widow to to come out of that. Um, So this was really good, but it ultimately leads to Kate then kind of putting all the puzzle pieces together here um, with the loss of Natasha and then the loss of all his family during the blip Mm -hmm. um, where she takes the guess um, that, you know, you were Ronan and, um, you know, kind of makes that point. You were a hero um, and and then you became Ronan, sort of known throughout the criminal underworld uh, as effectively a butcher in their eyes. Um, But he says, no, I was a weapon. Um, Mm -hmm. And those mistakes that I made as my time in Ronan are now tied to me and my family, which comes to to hit him potentially uh, later on uh, when we we see Kate in Maya's apartment. Mm. But uh, th- I thought this was really nice. There was some, 
you know, because he also does have um, skills. <laughs> well, yeah, you see that in this. Well, exactly, he does have um, skills, but I, I love the fact that you know you get that Vormir music. Um, Oh, yeah. Through this piece as well, tying it back to where he tries to sacrifice himself at Vormir. Um, but instead, Natasha manages to switcheroo it so that it is she that sacrifices herself. And yeah. there's just a really subtle, um, playing of that with strings through this. And it was really, really uh, good, I thought. Oh, absolutely. The use of music within this episode is probably the best I've had so far this season with, uh, with Christoph Beck picking up those themes from the Black Widow movie plus from Endgame we hear those those uh, themes come back into the episode I thought it was such a great use of it um, I love the idea that Clint's defense of why he became the Ronan when uh, Kate's saying to him but you were a hero you couldn't be that he's saying no I was always a weapon I was trained this way I was I was brought up in S.H.I.E.L.D. to be a hidden person and carry out assassinations yeah. actively so I just took those skills and turned them into this character of the Ronin when everything happened to my family. Everybody dealt with the blip differently. I lost everything, basically. So it all comes through in this quite serious moment in a show that's been quite lighthearted throughout the series so far. I think there's been some, uh, there's some really good moments in this episode of the darkness that's, that's there with the Hawkeye character and what he's gone through. Definitely. And it really foreshadows the assassin on the roof as well, mm. ultimately. Um, yeah. The dark element is like the, the falling asleep, like scenes. Mm. Just like, imagine falling asleep to that every night. Mm-hmm. Well, like that's, that's yeah. the last thing you see. Yeah. Um, I did think for a second that they were going to get attacked once he turned off his hearing aid yeah i did like every time i'm like just why just why turn it off like i was expecting with a shadowy figure sort of behind the armchair to sort of sneak in yeah Uh, just if you're if you're actively being hunted maybe don't turn off one of your senses Mm. just putting it out there um i i absolutely love this and i love the darkness but i love how they do again and as you said for a show that's been primarily upbeat and kind of slightly comedic and mm. actually based um i love how they intersperse it with this but at the same time they have humor moments oh yeah they oh, have yeah. this buddy cop kind of i'm going to teach you moment where i'm just well first of all the the they're up leveling or not up they're really showing off or showcasing uh, Clint's abilities mm-hmm. or, or the ability he has had. Yeah, to hit a target effectively, yeah. yeah. So, it, well, this is the way that he does this one, which is obviously the behind the back to turn ornaments that turns off the TV. I was like, oh, they, they, they have... I don't want to say powered him up, but essentially that was that was very much a, a piece from Hawkeye in the Ultimate Universe where he could use his own fingernails mm. as weapons um, because he ripped them off and he was throwing them into guards' like uh, eyes and mouths to make them choke and die because he had that much ability to hit a target with any weapon or I'm anything right. was a weapon to him. He's very much bullseye. <laughs> I'm not liking that universe in Hawkeye. Well, the Ultimate Universe was very dark. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, like, what, rip off an ear and smother someone with it or something. I don't know. <laughs> no, he'd have to throw it at them <laughs> yeah. like a target. But that, yeah, that's exactly like the MCU's version of Bullseye that we've seen before, that he can use any anything to hit any target. Yes. So, uh, so they're bringing that into Hawkeye here uh, in yeah. the show, which is, it was 
uh, Ben Poindexter from Daredevil season three, who was bullseye in that show. That's exactly the kind of things he'd be able to do. So this yeah. feels like they're giving this power or passing this power over to Hawkeye as well. So he has that ability too. I, I think as well that it's a there's a nice nod with this the use of the kind of coin like Christmas decoration. There's a nice nod to uh, the fraction Hollingsworth and Ayer um, comic mm-hmm. because you see um, a lot of the guys on on the pavements uh, in New York were um, like when Clint is coming out of hospital in the first issue that are playing this game with coins and looking to hit. Um, sort of beer bottles. Yeah. Uh, so it, I, I felt as well it was just a, a, a nice use of that, um, uh, that kind of little motif coming yeah. from the comics as well. Absolutely. Well, the title of that series is My Life as a Weapon. So, yeah. Um, and yeah. that's what, what Hawkeye's effectively saying to Kate in this scene as well. So, uh, lots of stuff taken from that run. And I, I love how we also hear about the boomerang arrow in this <laughs> oh, yeah, uh, yeah. scene, which is like, Completely again talking about the comic book run and the comic book mm-hmm. run. He's the one, uh, talking about how fantastic boomerang arrows are and how useful they are and Kate not believing. And now we hear the, the tables are turned. Yeah. But it ultimately springs from the discussion of there is no trick arrows left in the world. Yeah. Assuming because basically there were Tony Stark or Avengers made. That's the way I'm taking it. Or Hank Pym made, Chris. We had or that Hank Pym last made. week. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. Because there is a, that, that person is no longer around. Yeah. So we're assuming it's Tony. Yeah, it could also be S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah. He, he did work true. for them for many years uh, yeah. before Tony was involved. So, uh, so yeah, I think there's a, there's a connection there. And uh, But... But it's also, there's no more shield, there's no more Avengers. So, um, so yeah, I like this idea that he just needs the shafts of those arrows back and he can create more, uh, more arrows effectively yeah. as, as a way to top them back up so they can be, uh, they can be used. So, uh, yeah, I like, I like this kind of scene just because she's learning all about who Hawkeye is. He is almost handing over the mantle. You can feel this is like one more job, one last job, yeah. so he can finally go back to his family. And it does feel like uh, Kate's almost taking that on without being asked. There's a moment where he sends her off. He, he gives her her mission to go off and get the arrows from the LARPers, um, which is a, which is great. We'll talk about that in a second. But I love her response to him going, I think of these as our trick arrows. Um, so she is already uh, dealing from the same quiver, let's say. Yeah. <laughs> Yes. Um, but yeah, that perfectly does move us on to the next point, which is the Rolex and the rooftop. Because in this point, we have to get to the rooftop. And that is essentially when the, the pair of partners, am I right, split up. Mm-hmm. And Kate goes off to uh, meet the LARPers. Um, and we get introduced to um, a, a police officer who doesn't mind breaking the rules. <laughs> and we get reintroduced to uh, the costumer uh, or the cosplay uh, costume maker and also then the firefighter who steals randomly from fire scenes. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> again, this is, it was only when... I didn't mind the firefighter in the first one. It was just now when you get two of them breaking the lot. I'm like, come on, folks. Anyway, <laughs> moving beyond that. She agreed that we get an agreement from everyone that if... Uh, essentially, if they, Kate and Hawkeye get the material for the cos, the cosplayers and they will make costumes for themselves and also, mm-hmm. uh, both Kate and Clint. And as part of that, then they also get the, the, 
the the cop will go off and steal the the trick arrows yeah. back from lockdown. I I loved how they rolled this in though to the whole Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> if you use this, there is a price. Every, mm-hmm. There is a price to the use of this power that uh, you, you're going to uh, sort of ask uh, forth from. And uh, so I really loved that bit. And I think just having the LARPers, I'm glad they've been brought into. Um, this world because it feels to me like moving forward certainly given how kate gets so comfortable when she's being fitted in a, a viking outfit and mm-hmm. um, i could see these being a real support mechanism for her as kate bishop um as you know having taken over the mantle of um of hawkeye to be honest oh yeah it, it, it just it, it really hits all my geek nerdy uh points that i would love to see whether we will or not who knows but it was just really cool and i I love you know it will come at a cost and certainly when you see hawkeye going what have you promised them you know (laughs) what is going to happen here Uh, i do love the arrangement like what what kind of cosplayer or live action role player wouldn't love the idea if they're making costumes for themselves every week and working on the kind of detail that you see on these people that uh, that go out and do this in their spare time who wouldn't want to be asked by a genuine avenger to make the costume for them or at least to be asked by the person who claims to be their sidekick yeah. <laughs> uh, to make the costumes for them in the future. Um, I think that's such a cool moment because you could see how excited they are to get that as the offer. It's really cool. Yeah, oh, it's huge. And yeah. like, but even the attention to detail on some of the uh, in the the sets. So mm-hmm. like they have like quite nerdy choices of video games yeah. as well as the big original players' handbook Dungeons and Dragons. Um, poster. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm kind of showing my nerddom here. Um, but yeah, they have everything. It was great. Yeah, absolutely. It took me a minute to realize that they were in, uh, they're in their apartment. They're in the, in the LARPers apartment. Uh, I was kind of going, hang on a second. Why does Kate have a poster of yes. and dragons on her aunt's wall or something? <laughs> yeah. Uh, for, for a minute. But, uh, but I do love, uh, Officer Wendy Conrad. That's the, uh, the, uh, the officer, the police officer who goes back to get the, uh, to get the arrows. Um, now, I understand. I've seen all the all the jokes on the internet about another another officer breaking the law. I get that, but remember, Kate does say this is an Avenger who has lost their weapons to yeah. a New York police officer who is fully aware of how important Hawkeye was in the events of the attack yeah. in New York. So I can understand this isn't this isn't the same as the fire officer taking something from uh, from a fire scene that he shouldn't have yes. taken. This is somebody going in and going, actually, there's an Avengers weapon. If I could go and get Captain America's shield back to him, that'd be great, wouldn't it? That'd be a really nice thing to do for an Avenger. Yeah. So I kind of get that in a different way. Yeah. But I love Wendy Conrad because she comes back in with the bag given to her by her wife um, and realizes that, hang on a second, he hasn't brought a bag to carry home his own arrows and he's going to take away the bag given to me by my wife that's been specially engraved, engraved with bombshell on the side of it. Hang on a second. I didn't sign up for this. I <laughs> <laughs> love that moment. I think it's exactly. So Officer well Bombshell, yeah. if you will. Officer Bombshell. Excellent. Um, Bit a nerdy, a nerdy piece here. Wendy is an actual comic book character called Bombshell. She's a villain. Um, very the, good. Yeah. Maybe she turns villain because there she doesn't go. get her bag get her back. back. Exactly. Yeah, she this is her origin story. She didn't get her bag back, and she didn't fill out the proper paperwork down at the lock-in. <laughs> she is evil. She turns on Hawkeye because she gets fired for taking the arrows from the lock-in. Exactly. This is pure evil uh, <laughs> yes. incarnate. 
I love that. That's nice. <laughs> and while and while Hawkeye and while Hawkeye two Kate is doing all this, we do get um, Clint's little discussion with Kazi. Mm-hmm. Very quick, just to go over it. Yeah. Basically, Clint plays it well. He's like, "Look, you've always been working for the Lopez's. When's it your turn?" Mm-hmm. So that's kind of just playing on that, um, and straight away plays that he knows someone's above him. Reference Clint referencing Jacques Duquesne, but obviously we don't know that for a hundred percent whether mm-hmm. it is Jacques. We just know that they. I think the way Kazi takes it is he's talking about uncle. Yes. Yes. Um, so. That's the way it was kind of. Yeah, because he says the big guy, doesn't he? Yes. Uh, Which, you know, it could be the boss or the big guy. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, Wilson Fisk uh, esque. Uh, Yeah, I I loved this scene. I just thought it was really. I loved the pitter patter of the exchanges between Hawkeye and Kazi. Mm -hmm. I loved the fact that all his potential weapons from a gun to the knife. To the, the box, car- cutter. box cutter, mm-hmm. all taken. I just really liked it, and absolutely true. Shield agent there from uh, from uh, definitely Hawkeye, surely covers all bases. And you know, really, then with with Carlsy trying to really understand himself. Well, what are you asking me here? That mm-hmm. we should all look after ourselves um, as, as criminals, and <laughs> you, you know, you're looking out for our our welfare mm-hmm. and, my uh, and in the organization uh, exactly, yeah. and but. Clint really having to say it's actually about Ronan. By the way, I'm not Ronan. I'm just asking for a friend, kind of thing, <laughs> you know. And I, I thought this was—I uh, just loved the pisser passer and that kind of sense of awkwardness and Carsey trying to figure out the motivation from uh, from Clint here. Mm-hmm. I thought it was just really nicely done in such, as you say, just a nice little short scene, uh, topped off with him. Him throwing the gun, uh, I guess, onto the railway line or into the port or, or whatever it is. Well, um, exactly where so, he wanted to throw it, I yeah. suppose, as we know from yeah. Hawkeye. Uh, he always hits his target. So wherever he was throwing where, it, it's exactly, exactly where it was intended to be. <laughs> but he does he does make one final kind of threat to Kazi as well. He does say to him that if Maya doesn't stop, she will be dead. She will yeah. be killed for following up on Ronan the way she's going after it. So he needs to make sure that she backs off. So not only appealing to Kazi's position within the organization. He's also appealing to the fact that he cares for Maya and wants to make sure that she's still alive. So he is appealing on multiple levels that she back off. And I, I took that to mean the big guy, yeah, the, the boss, yeah. because he doesn't want the attention. He doesn't ever expect to get that kind of attention. So yeah. it would be coming from their own organization rather yeah. than Ronan. Yeah, I don't think Clint was threatening him. As no, as exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. But he may take it that way. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. But with all those investigations done and all the all the information gathered, um, will we talk about the Rolex a little bit uh, here? Because we yes. have um, the call that Clint makes to his wife, Laura, to pick up the information. And she realizes that uh, the Ronan suit obviously hadn't disappeared in the past. And also this Rolex watch is, uh, is in the open now. We saw this Rolex watch. Uh, in the first episode, we thought that maybe Pizza Dog might have eaten it. Uh, he didn't. No, um, he definitely yeah. prefers pizza. Uh, yes, so a comedy moment averted there um, when they were trying Aww. to re- re- to retrieve the Rolex. Uh, unfortunately, uh, not in the show. Um, but there's some interesting things about the watch that we learn uh, in the episode. The idea that this is a former 
hero in the spotlight, former friend of uh, Clint Barton, who's gone back out of the spotlight, but this Rolex will connect them directly with their old life. Um, and that could be used against them and could put their life in jeopardy, which is why he now has to retrieve the watch. So um, lots of possibilities of who this could be. Uh, possible introduction to a hero we haven't seen before in the uh, in the MCU. Um, yeah, well, and th- there is specific mention that the Rolex is a vintage uh, Rolex mm-hmm. uh, and that the person's been out of the game for a long time. Mm-hmm. So, um, again, really interesting stuff. And again, that Laura... Clint's wife is very good at getting extracting this information yep. um, from Sloan Limited in order to get the information about uh, Jacques being mm-hmm. the CEO, but also the knowledge of this Rolex and her amazing command of German mm-hmm. and potentially Russian with speaking to the tracksuit mafia yeah, yeah. Um, at Sloan Limited. So, mm-hmm. um, yes. She's a yeah. very talented lady, she is Laura. She certainly is, yes. She really is. I yeah. wonder if it's an S-H-I-E-L-D kind of situation. Yeah, there might have been an on-job connection uh, back in S.H.I.E.L.D. days uh, for Hawkeye. Yes. Yeah. A work romance mm. that, that has blossomed. That's where my brain is at. That, yeah. Um, I literally think that Rolex mm. belongs to Hawkeye. Mm. And engraved in the back uh, is... Um, for my love, Clint, from, um, whatever Laura's original name was, XXX, her code name. Oh, maybe, maybe. And that's basically kind of essentially connecting uh, for my husband. Yeah. Basically, just, uh, basically to say that Laura, who has been maybe dead and gone and, like been in hiding theoretically the old Laura is dead and Laura's new identity is this this connects them yeah yeah to that and puts I like the family it. at risk I know it's out there on the internet as well I'm kind of in agreement um Clint did have a wife in the comic books he's had a few but mm-hmm. the main one would be uh Bobby Morse Mockingbird um yeah and that that was initially just kind of and no one thought and made the connection. Now that we see uh, Laura's somewhat kind of espionage-based skills, yeah. it could be that. It could be that she is or was Mockingbird at some point. She was Bobby Morse yeah. at some point and has since retired that identity to become the wife of Clint Barton, Laura Barton. That is the potential that they they could this whole thing could be about which was that was Clint's Clint's watch it has all the details on yeah. her and the everything and I absolutely hate this idea um because Bobby Morris was a character that was very central to Agents of Shield um yeah. played wonderfully by Edwin Pavecki um for th- about three seasons on Agents of Shield and if they've recast the character of the MCU that puts another nail in the coffin of Agents of Shield which uh, I really hate the idea of. I'll throw I'll throw one one of uh, I'll throw one at you as a fan of Shield since uh, I was thirteen years old as you guys know I've mentioned it often that I've read every single Shield comic that's ever been created. There is a character called Laura Brown who is an agent of Shield. Clint Barton's wife's called Laura. They may have met in Shield, so this may be the introduction of Laura Brown uh, from that the could Shield work. Comic. Yes, yeah, that <laughs> so, could work as uh, well. So that wouldn't hide it as much as the complexity of having a completely different name, a completely different code name. 
and having to decode a watch that's stolen uh, as well. So uh, if it's just to Clint, my darling husband, Agent Laura Brown, uh, that would make it a really a really close connection, wouldn't it? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And and could they have met in space? No. Ah, okay. So it's not it's not sword. Yeah, it's no, it's not shield in space. In fact, there's one absolute reason why they couldn't have gotten couldn't have met in space because the first time clint ever went to space was in endgame after laura had gone in the blip so we know yeah before that look well thank you mr continuity yes excellent good Um, stuff i i do i do really like that the other major theory with the rolex is that it belongs to um one of the other avengers um, and it, it's it's a it's a captain america steve rogers or it's i don't think tony stark works just based on that, it mm-hmm. it's just based on what Clint yeah. is saying. Yeah. I don't think it's the only thing. I, it's someone who was alive or has is alive. Yeah, it could it's, be Captain um, America because because he's aged exactly. it's, as well. He's out for a long time mm. from yeah. the game. I was just trying to think of anybody that was in the Avengers that we haven't seen since um, since the Avengers. We talked about some of the possibilities. Uh, in the first episode where we heard about the Rolex that it could be Doctor Strange because he has a penchant for for yeah. very expensive uh, wristwatches as we saw in his movie uh, he lost a lot of them but he did have that that was definitely very clearly shown on screen we talked about about Iron Man could it be a watch that contains an Iron Man suit leading to uh, some other possibilities for uh, for where this could go in the future but the more I watched and the more he described it I just kept thinking what if it's someone that hasn't been introduced yet and they want to establish a history before the movies or, or a history that we just haven't seen on screen is there a character coming up in the future that that could be in the mcu but have been around in the past there's oh, some yeah. connection there and they've they've gone into hiding and they just want to use this as a a way to introduce them they come in the end and go that's my watch you know is it moon knight is it she hulk is it somebody else that has a tv show coming out on disney plus from from marvel that they want to introduce them this way and there's a connection in with hawkeye then is it something like that you know that all makes sense it, it does. does um that's a good one my, my my brain went to colonel rhodes um potentially being colonel rhodes and if that means still is the event it's still the it's a basically it's Tony's last gift of a war machine, a miniaturized war machine or something like that. That's Maybe, another yeah. one that went through my head. Yeah. Um, I I'm leaning more towards something Clint Laura related, or it being essentially a current or previous Avenger kind of thing. It's yeah. like Carol Danvers Rolex from her dad that right. like she's alive kind of thing, and never like she is. Captain Marvel, like just yeah. basically something that's just like there has to be a stake to this. Yeah, there's it's got to do more than just tell the time. Whether yes. that is because it is a Tony Stark special that has been gifted to say War Machine, mm-hmm. or whether it is, um, you know, standard issue, uh, operative Rolex watch mm-hmm. from Shield that does, you know can can make a cocktail as well as has a laser coming out of it or you know a garrote whatever it might be that uh-huh. yeah, yeah then it is linked to to clint and say laura in some way yeah. so yeah but you're right it's got to do something absolutely absolutely i just wonder whether it's going to be closed off in this show or that it's going to open up the universe further yeah. to uh to 
uh, another show in the future or another character yeah. in the future. So uh, that'll be interesting to find out. But we but we do know where the watch is. The watch is at is at Maya's yeah. apartment. So we have uh, the moment where Clint and Kate uh, go to her apartment. Clint uh, Clint watching on and trying to teach Kate how to uh, how to go and break into an apartment and uh, Kate just taking the initiative and, and uh, working her way in uh, by being nice to a to an old man coming home with the shopping <laughs> love love these moments just it's just great to see Kate kind of dismissing Clint's guidance and going yeah I've got this uh, it's fine <laughs> I, I did love this the the break-in or the the social engineering in um it was great fun more I didn't know what those hell those flashing lights were until yeah. he said it. Yeah, exactly. I was like I was like, what? Is it like I, I was like, oh it's an alarm. No, no, it's scanning her. Oh my god, it's gonna like do do like I didn't know what and then it was like I never knew that was an actual thing. It was oh. a type of like an, an alarm for uh, deaf people. I never caught that. Yeah. Yeah. Um with things with mobile phones and vibrations and apps, I thought that would have been easier. <laughs> um, yeah, but but if you're if you're sitting in your room, uh, it, it's a great way to attract your attention. Oh yeah, exactly. Light. So yes. you will see it in a lot of retirement homes happen um, yeah. in, in the rooms of their of their residents. So yeah, uh, you'll see them there. Uh, but it does lead to cool fights. This whole thing just basically what a good four or five minutes of fight scenes. Uh, we get to see Maya versus um, Kate, mm-hmm. which Kate holds her own for a fair few minutes. Yeah, she does. Until she escapes using the, or until <laughs> she escapes using the, through Clint kind of sending the zip wire. Mm-hmm. Yes, the very low angled uh, zip wire, which doesn't quite have enough pitch for, no. for Kate to, to get across the, yeah. the, the road. And of course, it's the other fun bit of this, isn't it? Because, you know, they keep having that conversation about, well, is this building tall enough? Shouldn't we be higher up to to view into the apartment? Mm-hmm. And of course, what do we get? We get a, a, a poor zip wire for, for Kate. Um, but she's helped along by the, the, you know, the assassin, the unknown assassin with the the infrared or night vision goggles. Oh, there is a moment in this, though, that everything's going through my head. You know, May is in the apartment. She's fighting with Kate. Um, Clint's on the other side getting beaten up, and they're on comms to each other, and uh, Kate's going, May is here, and Clint goes, yes, I know, and he's fighting with who he thinks is Maya. And suddenly what was going through my head was like, Oh wow! Is this where Secret Invasion starts? Is he fighting a scroll version of Maya over there, and she's yeah. in, in in the apartment fighting a scroll version of Maya or another version of Maya? Is that is that what it is? Is, is there a duplication in in the MCU being brought in? Oh no! Okay, it, it's completely different to that. I'm just getting way ahead of myself on the MCU shows. <laughs> yeah. No, I legitimately thought mutant. Right. Echo is actually it was a backdoor mutant show right. where there's going to be <laughs> like uh, their Echo, their duplicates of each other. They're they're both deaf, there's two of them, it's an echo, etc., etc. Mm-hmm. I thought it all ran. As soon as I saw the green splinter cell uh, kind of um, eyeglasses, mm-hmm. I was I, I knew who it was because that's a very comic accurate costume for um, Yelena. Mm-hmm. That is, and oh my God, I'm so happy Florence Pugh has decided to stay and to kind of do this show and do the MCU and because she brings this ferociousness to the character mm-hmm. of like you killed my sister and she's going for it like oh yeah yeah although she does do a Black Widow landing and she doesn't shudder so she <laughs> must have been training since the film 
It's been a few years, remember, yeah. uh, since uh, since most of the character that we saw in the movie. It is it is a real shame because what we loved about Florence Pugh in that movie, you can go back and hear a review on, on TV Podcast Industries, what we loved about the movie overall was Florence Pugh. She was fantastic in the movie, and what we loved better was her humour. And she doesn't say a word in this episode. Yeah. <laughs> we don't even get one one dry quip from her at all. So we don't even know what her character's like now uh, after the time that's passed. Um, this is connecting to the... Uh, post credit scene from uh, from Black Widow, where Valentina Allegra de la Fontaine comes to Yelena at uh, Black Widow's grave and tells her that Hawkeye is the one that killed her sister. So, yes, absolutely, she's not going to be as quippy. She's not going to be as funny as she was in the movie because she's on the mission to kill the person that killed her sister. So, yeah. Um, so, yeah, but it is interesting. This is a really cool introduction to her in the show a nice a nice uh, call back to the movie and yeah. having been released not that long ago it's really good to have this follow up so quickly yeah, yeah. and it, it's interesting i'm trying to figure out the timeline now this is the weird and wacky bits because the the end credit scene was supposed to be in years after so basically after black widow's dead so after endgame yeah um and but before this but it's also we see val uh, who we also saw in Falcon and the Winter Soldier, Captain America and the Winter Soldier, mm-hmm. um, uh, in that kind of ending episode. Um, so I'm trying to get the timeline of when Val is doing all this. I think this has all been a couple of months. I think this is all kind of starting to come to a head in the, like, it's a course of a year. So Maybe. I think Captain America um, happened earlier in the year. Florence Pugh happened, or Black Widow end scene kind of happened around the same time, and this is now Christmas. And mm. uh, we do know that Spider Man No Way Home uh, is happening before Hawkeye. Yeah, yeah. Uh, as well, so because Hawkeye right now is the furthest we've been into the MCU timeline. So it is Christmas twenty twenty four. It is the latest we've ever been. So this is. Yeah. We're not jumping around time anymore. This is the present in regards to the MCU. Yes, exactly. Yes, I would say so for sure. But also in this episode, that phone call that Eleanor makes, leaving a voicemail for somebody who doesn't pick up for her, telling her that there's a uh, that she needs to be called back and involved. Oh my Hawkeye, god! That could essentially be the push to get Val to go and talk to Yelena. Um, the only reason I say that is because the episode is very definite about the fact that a day or two pass between the initial opening of the yeah. episode. They have the Christmas party. They have the LARPers in the park. They go to the apartment. So there's about a day or day and a half between that yeah. phone call and what, what happens in the apartment. Yeah. So that could have been a phone call to Val. Um, it would be very likely that Val, the kind of undercover character that she is, has a Dropbox type voicemail where you leave her a message and that sends her off on her mission or she contacts you back, basically. Yeah, no, that, that's a great so kind of what's idea. Happened. Yeah, I, I would love that idea, to be honest, because... I think that that would work so well in, in this situation. And just then having that final um, moment, that Vermeer flashback of Clint reaching out, obviously with um, Natasha's sister there, presumably after him because of this, yeah. uh, as much as it may be your theory as well, that uh, it kills two birds with one stone for Yelena. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's that moment where he doesn't grab um, Kate and how that connects in with the danger and what Eleanor said earlier on in, in the the episode where he then 
after this fight, knowing that there is a Black Widow involved, as well as everything else around the big guy, the tracksuit mafia, mm-hmm. uh, Maya, Lopez, and all her skills, that he is basically saying the partnership is over and mm-hmm. doing this alone. And, and I just, I just thought that was all kind of nicely tied in with all these references through this episode. Yeah. Yeah. No, I 100%. I, I agree. I, I, I think it was beautifully tied in and it was all the callbacks were perfect. I story wise don't enjoy what they're doing to Hawkeye always just because he has suffered. The poor, the poor character has continuously suffered. Mm-hmm. And it's just like that, that continuous devastation and loss and thing like that. And. One thing about the Hawkeye character that I always enjoyed was through himself and Nat and always throughout every Avengers, every show he's been in uh, or every film I should say he's been in, he's been this upbeat character that no matter when things go wrong, he, he's been there and he will like essentially it's like even think back to the original Avengers. Mm-hmm. He, he, he he was made bad and then as soon as thing he was made good again, um, by uh, Natasha, and he was like, "All right, let's go do it. Let's go get this. We'll get this sorted." Same with majority. Even like, even at the end, when poor Quicksilver dies in Ultron, he he still ha- he's still somewhat like walking through. Actually, just before I should say, Hawkeye uh, before Quicksilver dies, he's like, "Why'd you come kill killer robots?" Blah blah blah. He's always quippy and happy. Yeah. And this for me is just, they're breaking this character. Yes. And I'm hoping they're not, because I enjoy Jeremy Renner's interpretation. I enjoy this interpretation. I know we're getting Kate Bishop as Hawkeye. I know that is coming. But I do want to see more of him. And I think they're progressively edging towards, this is probably one of the very last outings of Clint Barton. It's very likely, yes. But remember, Chris, they, they broke his character at the start of Endgame. This isn't the oh, show yeah. breaking his character. That no. they, you know, having watched TV shows and covered them on the podcast for six years and covered many, many series of a show, there is nothing more appetizing to a writer than giving a character that has upbeat and quippy written all over them as the first season begins to destroy that character, kill everybody around them, and have, make them have a horrific life by their final appearance. And that is absolutely what, what gives writers their bread and butter in writing shows. And that's what happened to Hawkeye. If you remember the backlash and outrage that from loads of Hawkeye fans around the world that he wasn't in the biggest Avengers movie of all time. He never made an appearance in Infinity War. And the response to that, remember, they'd already made it and they'd already filmed the movie, but the, the MCU response to that was, no, Clint got it worse than anybody. That's why he didn't appear in Infinity War, because when you see him in Endgame, he loses every member of his family yeah. and his best friend within the running time of one movie. So they've broken him already. This is his redemption. This is him coming back and realizing family is most important, potentially giving up the job and handing it off to Kate Bishop. Yeah, and and I, I think, as you mentioned about the timeline before, Chris, this is still quite close to that whole mm-hmm. traumatic yeah, uh, okay. event. And But what they have done is the fact that we are calling this an action comedy they are layering in his quippiness and, and, and his return, but 
it will take time and okay, yeah. and so on. But that's why the comedy aspects here. He is quippy with Kate. He is um he has those fun moments, but it, it's in the context of it maybe not being as exuberant uh, because of the closeness in that yeah. timeline to Natasha and, and everything. And yeah. of course, the one thing or the one saving element is that it, with the family and the importance of family is because the blip was reversed effectively. Yeah. So, um, like, I, I think I feel this is more redemptive than them continuing yeah. the to destroy his character so just I guess. showing it on screen because they need to show yeah. the journey of the character uh really overall yeah uh, just one thing we didn't mention um in this in this section i suppose uh, just to call it out i think you had it in the uh, synopsis john but just the idea that when uh kate picks up the watch she sees that there's a list of all of clint's family there beside the watch that maya potentially has has put together so there's a full list of of who each member of his family is their age who they are um so they are connecting something back to uh, to Clint's family there. So it's just important to kind of mention that for the upcoming episodes. Well, it's interesting because to to the conversation earlier about is this Clint's watch um, mm-hmm. given to him by Laura? And it, it's an Avengers. It is Clint ultimately when he says someone I used to work with, they've been out of the game for a long time. Is that him speaking about himself in that third person way, like we've had earlier on when, and that this is why it's with Maya is because she is looking for Ronan and it was found with the Ronan suit. And it, and so that's why the names are there because it does have some kind of engraving, like you, you mentioned, Chris, that says, you know, to Clint Barton from. Mm Laura. Yeah, um, that makes sense. So and it has the kids' birthdays, birth dates and stuff. You know, as that, that kind, kind of, of um, because it was so important um, to him as the Ronan, because he'd lost his family, that was the thing that had everything about his family on it. Yeah. But it was found with maybe the sword and so on in yeah. the Avengers cause he, compound because he left it behind. So yeah, I, I just wonder if, if that... Could be. So it might not have bells and whistles on it. After all, it could be linked to more Maya's uh, investigation uh, to who killed her father. It could be. Because, just, and we'll end on this, the greatest of secrecy was uh, pulled and kept with Clint's family. They were completely off books. Like, no one knew who they were, to the point where everyone bar Nick Fury and Natasha were shocked that Clint Barton had a family. Yeah, exactly. Um, so that that yeah. is something to kind of keep in mind as well. Yeah. 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 But gentlemen, with that all said, and on that slightly slightly downer note that we that we do not know if the Hawkeyes will be partners. Am I right? <laughs> Let's move on to it. Anybody notes for this episode? Uh, no notes for me. Uh, no other notes for me. Nope. The last note I will just go, who's a good boy? Pizza dog, once again, just eating huge amounts of pretzels just out yeah, of the bowl yeah, yeah. before before Clint grabs a, a handful himself. I'm they, like, yeah, they're going to have to clear up a mess in that apartment. Yes, 100%. Yeah, yeah. Um, but with that said, then, let's move on to the final discussions or 
comments on this. I will ask Derek, do you defend episode four of Hawkeye season one partners? Am I right? Yeah, I absolutely defend this episode. Uh, the, the connection to Black Widow is great. I love that they've been able to expand on that story. We knew it was coming uh, from when we watched that post credit scene. We knew we were going to get Yelena in the show. I love her introduction. The one thing is we only have two episodes left and we have a lot here that's being set up uh, for those last two episodes. So it makes me really excited to see the next couple of episodes. Um, but I loved Yelena's introduction. I loved the uh, the relationship between these characters getting deeper, um, getting more about Clint and who he is as a person I thought was really important in the episode as well. Um, yeah, and lots of intrigue as to what could be coming up in the last couple of episodes. So yeah, definitely loved this episode. Highly defended. How about yourself, Chris? Very much so. Same. Uh, absolutely defend this episode. Uh, I'm, I'm just want to know where we're going. Mm-hmm. They, they keep introducing new elements every episode so far. And I'm yeah. like, Right now, I can't see how you're going to close all these threads. My assumption is they're going to close 80% of them and mm-hmm. then leave about 20% hanging. Yeah. Um, but I am here for that journey. Speaking of a journey, John, do you want to take us on one? Do you defend this episode of Hawkeye? Oh, I really do defend uh, this episode of Hawkeye. Um, I would give it four and a half aphorisms out of five. I think there's really strong f- follow up to almost a near perfect, well, certainly perfect for me, um, episode last week. And I think that's a great thing. Um, I love the introduction of Yelena. I uh, can't wait to see, uh, that play out. Um, and just again, bringing Eleanor back into it, that intrigue, the, uh, J- Jack being front and center connected with Sloan Limited and the tracksuit mafia and s- finally coming back to the Rolex as well, which really, um, after episode one had sort of, you know, f- fainted from the show f- up till now. Uh, so this was all really good. It, it, it carried on the, just a strong relationship. Uh, between Clint and Kate, which I'm really, really enjoying. I love that they brought the LARPers back. And um, again, I love it when uh, writers do this, have just, a, you know, a small side person or, or character, supporting character or supporting characters in, mm-hmm. in the LARPers and they bring them back. And then you can immediately think this could be even more sort of front and center with a Kate Bishop standalone TV show as well. This is mm-hmm. kind of like the, you know, this is the Alfred, um, to, um, to Kate Bishop, really. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I, but just lots of them, I guess. Um, and she wouldn't have to worry about suits anymore. So yeah, really good. I love the, the theme of Natasha through all of this, certainly at Christmas. Um, yes, it is cheery, but people also will think about people they've, they've lost. Um, as well. So the whole, um, connection with Natasha being on the mind of Clint, I really enjoyed through this and the use of the music on it. So four and a half aphorisms out of five for me. Definitely defend, uh, this episode of Hawkeye Partners. Am I right? Did, did I get it right? I did. <laughs> so speaking of aphorisms, would you say this is a hole in one? I'd say it's a bullseye. Oh. See, you're getting it right. I'm getting it wrong. It is time to get a bit tipple. How about we go get our own drink? 
Yes. Down in the pub for a pub quiz. Yes. Uh, welcome, fellow uh, defenders, fellow quizzers. Yes, the the barman uh, uh, in this moment is, is going to be heading on over to the bar freezer to get some of those frozen slushy drinks mm. that are, are ready-made and can not only reduce the swelling from uh, having walked to the pub, but then can also get you a little tipsy mm. as well. And um, pina coladas and strawberry daiquiris only, though, for this uh, for <laughs> this one. But question four for episode four. It's a two-parter. Ooh. So, part one. What is written on the side of the mug that Clint Barton is drinking from? Mm. Yes, that is, of course, in... At the auntie's apartment. Yep. And the, the second part, uh, part 4B, I guess. What nickname does Kate give Clint Barton? Ooh, very good. It's in a different part of the episode. Uh, two questions, two points, uh, from the episode. Uh, I also noticed that the trailer for this episode obscured what's on the side of Clint Barton's mug. It's only in the episodes. So you have to see the episodes. You will see, you will not see anything written on the side of his mug. If you look at the trailer, you have to see the episode. And if you want to enter the pub quiz, of course, you can send your answers into feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com. We will be closing the uh, pub quiz at the end of the year on the 31st of December. So get all your answers into us by that date. Uh, all six answers or yeah, all six questions and all six answers by the end of uh, uh, the year. And you could be in with a chance of getting some Hawkeye goodies from TV Podcast Industries. John, do you want to give us the questions for this episode one more time? Yes, Uh the two questions again. What is written on the side of the mug that Clint Barson is drinking from? And what nickname does Kate give Clint Barton? Mm, interesting. Interesting. But gentlemen, it's about time we get into some feedback to hear from our fellow defenders. Mm -hmm. Let's start with some email. And I think the first one is from a lovely defender named James Uren on Hawkeye episode three. James had this to say. This was my favourite episode yet, and I'm glad it was not just me who found it was over before I knew it. Although a big part of that was, of course, down to that fantastic escape from Echo Base sequence, which was a total joy to watch. There were so many things I loved about this, starting with the improvised nature of the build-up, reminiscence of Jackie Chan and Rumble in the Bronx fighting, with everything in their room, from hockey sticks to shopping trolleys, even the ball pit and, of course, multiple hero jumps through glass windows. Then, just as I thought it was done, we were treated to an amazing car chase. I am a huge sucker for single-take action scenes, with a few personal favourites being the hall battles in Daredevil and Old Boy and the escape scenes in True Detective and Warrior King, but those were all on foot. I've generally never seen anything like this, both inside and outside a moving vehicle, including a 360-degree spin, huge explosions, and plenty of laughs. My only minor complaint is that I would have loved for the whole car scene to be one long shot, as whilst it was clearly a lot of work, we all knew there were camera tricks to stitch them together. But saying that, I did read after that the chase was mainly practical effects rather than CGI, assuming not the Pym Arrow, of course. <laughs> so a real credit to the stunt team for one of the best Marvel sequences I have seen in screen. Mm -hmm. I also want to give mention to the soundtrack, particularly the brilliant Mad Russian Christmas track, which kickstarts the car chase. 
Sweet Gingerbread Man on the closing credits, and generally all of the festive tunes which I look forward to putting on regularly at this time of the year in the future. Thank you, James. Thanks for that, James. And yeah, the, the soundtrack is still one of my favorites mm-hmm. uh, so far. And I think you're right. Going forward in the future, it will be a Christmas staple. Absolutely. Absolutely. I know you've mentioned, uh, James, some of the great one take uh, action scenes that we've seen in the past, including the Daredevil one, which is a total standout. Uh, we did mention on the last episode, the, the car chase scene is similar to the one that's in Children of Men, which is a, a, a 360. Uh, driving sequence as well so definitely took some cues from that but really difficult to do a scene like that where the whole thing is one shot when you have external uh to the car and internal to the car as well so um but it's it, a, fa- a fantastic scene though yeah the making of that uh in children of men is really really interesting well worth watching. Um, yeah well worth watching uh thanks james i because i also really appreciate uh the name you give echo's base which is echo base um why didn't we think of that? Really good choice. And of course, a little reference to Star Wars, uh, as well. Uh, thanks so much, James, for the feedback. Also on email from Coffee and Vodka on episode four. Greetings, ugly sweated defenders. <laughs> Oi. Um, this is going to take a couple of watches at least. Speaking of which, did Clint get presumably Tony's watch from Kate? I'm guessing nanosuit tech and a precursor to the Armor Wars series. Why and how would Laura be aware and concerned about it? This episode was packed with clues, foreshadowing, action, and even an Act 2 breakup. I might be willing to soften the whole kingpin angle a bit with other implied possible major players, Mephisto, perhaps? Uh, There is always uh, Mephisto, I think, uh, coffee and vodka. Uh, But just a bit. There's way too much lore out there for the big man to be ignored. If Eleanor is a red herring, she's one of the best-placed ones I've seen. We finally get Yelena, and she almost got Clint. Mm -hmm. She had the opportunity. Why didn't she finish him off? Looks like they're hinting at a Christmas showdown at the Barton Farm. Uh, an excellent episode with just enough everything, including Lucky the Pizza Dog. So much content. I'm off for that second viewing. Coffee and Vodka gives five LARPers LARPing out of five. Uh, there'll be, I guess, four maids of milking. <laughs> three something something. Archers. Five go. <laughs> <laughs> and a partridge in a pear tree. Hopefully the rating of the show doesn't get out to a three or, or no, a two that's true. out of five. Uh, five out of five for uh, another great episode. Excellent stuff, Coffee and Vodka. Um, Coffee and Vodka did respond later saying, never mind on second watch, it looks like Kate saved Clint's bacon with both Echo and Yelena. Uh, however, noble Clint's reason, no way to treat a wing woman. Um, so uh, so she did get him out of it. Yelena leaves and uh, and Echo leave because of what Kate did. And then yes. concussion, the, the concussion yeah. arrow. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that was pretty cool, actually. I loved uh, the concussion arrow. Yeah, thanks, Coffee and Vodka. Um, but that is a really interesting question, though, from Coffee and Vodka as to whether um, Kate gave the watch to Clint or not. I never saw any handover of the watch that she picked up from May's apartment, or whether it's still in the apartment, or whether Kate still has that. So Kate puts it in her pocket. Did. Yeah, but she didn't hand it over to Clint. Uh, during that fight okay, and, yeah. and during him uh, pushing her away. So uh, that's quite interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he's still staying with her, so he kind of has to go back. <laughs> yeah, he really does. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's a good uh, good catch there, Coffee and Vodka. Thanks so much for the feedback, uh, as always. Absolutely. Yes. Uh, we also have an email from Trish, who got in contact to say, Hi, guys, I love listening to your re- recaps of the episodes and think this series is amazing so far. I think my son and I will make binging on this series an annual holiday tradition. I'm not well versed in the comics history, so I am wondering your thoughts are on when Eleanor left the urgent message. After learning that Kate is partnering with Hawkeye, was it Julia Louis-Dreyfus's character Val that she called, causing her to recruit Yelena to go after him? Can't wait for episode 5 and to tune into your episode 4 recap. Cheers, Trish. Right on my wavelength there, Trish, as well. Yeah, I do wonder if that call was placed to Val um, or someone connected to Val as well, and that, uh, that it possibly is the end credit scene or sometime just after that from Black Widow. Yeah, good stuff, Trish. Uh Thinking of that for sure, because I mean, it didn't even enter into uh, my little pea brain, I guess, uh, this time. But uh, I don't know, my little pea brain. Uh, but yeah, and thank you so much for listening to the show. Uh, we're really glad uh, you enjoy it. Good to hear. Yeah. yeah. Cheers, Trish. Uh, we also got an email from Jerry in Niceville who had this to say Hey, guys. First, big thanks to Chris for reading my email. With all the bros in it, highlight of my week. No problem, bro. (laughs) Jeff's kiss indeed. I love all the character development. Most people will hate that it slows the show down, but I think it makes it better. So Pizza Dog did not eat the watch. (laughs) Little disappointed about that comedic opportunity missed. Who was Yelena's target? We assumed that it was Tony's watch, correct? Now I have some theories. Clint's wife is a black widow and the kids are adopted. Clint's wife was S.H.I.E.L.D. and those are his kids. And my bonkers theory is one of the end credit scenes we will find out that she's a scroll. Oh, Can't wait right. to hear your thoughts, Jerry and Niceville. <laughs> oh, God, we're all, people, we're all starting to think alike. I think we need to take a break to right. kind of, we're going to take the holiday period and we all go start getting all different crazy theories yeah it's kind of hive mind is beginning to sort of generate here (laughs) they're all listening to us too much (laughs) isn't that right bro (laughs) yeah bro i have to say even in this episode in the background where we go see kazi i still laugh every time he trusted bro Mm -hmm. yeah i i I just want one to take just a bro bro i'm also i'm also laughing at kazi as well to be honest because that is a slang term for uh the john which is another slang term for the lou uh which is, which, is abbrevi- <laughs> which is an abbreviation of lavatory. Um, but yeah, it's uh, great stuff, Jerry. Um, I I like your question in, in here. Who was Yelena's target? Because on the basis of um, Black Widow movie, we are assuming it is, is Clint. And I, I guess that's probably... Um, might most likely be right but i like that you threw the question in there um because maybe some people may is. not have seen black widow maybe it is mayor maybe this is the whole point of clint's conversation with kazi and um, that the big boss upstairs won't like this attention and does it they're coming after Maya. I don't know. I, I'm not saying I I'm just saying I like that that question is there. It's just yeah. a few more angles. Yes. And um, separates out the hive mind as well, for sure. Yeah. And um, so uh yeah, great stuff uh, as always, Jerry. 
Absolutely. Thanks, Jerry. Uh, 084 has a theory uh, that I'm not very happy about. I think uh, Chris mentioned a similar theory early on in the podcast. Um, 084 says, hey, all. Okay, after getting through the amazing episode four, I have a theory and I kind of hate myself for it. The watch that they're after would supposedly expose the identity of someone close to Clint. I think the person he's protecting is his wife, Laura. Now, here's why I hate this, because I'm pretty sure I know who she's going to be. And it would be the final nail in the coffin for Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., I've had canon my way through so much with the season five Thanos fiasco and time jumps in both the show and the movies that don't quite work with each other. But what I won't be able to head canon is this. Laura Barton is also an ex-spy, specifically Barbara Morse, a.k.a. Mockingbird, the wife, ex-wife of Clint in the comics and the amazing character portrayed by Adrian Pilecki in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And she would be the first Marvel TV character to be recast and brought into the MCU completely rebooted. But all that said, I would love it so much. Sorry, fellow AOS lovers. I'll see myself out. Until next time. <laughs> oh, a four. Yep. Already mentioned. I really dislike this theory. And there's so many other options of, of S.H.I.E.L.D. agents that, uh, that Laura could be. Um, so, uh, I think we've talked about it already, but anything else to add, guys? No, it's, I, I do like that you, the, the, that you talked about your how your head canning everything. Yeah, I think we all are. Absolutely. So we get like a blow by blow timeline from Ken Feige, just kind of like here's the timeline you need to. You're like, okay, I I do. I think oh eight four, your head canning it so much that you are both kind of no, I don't like this, and yes, this would be awesome. And but Derek most firmly is on the not very happy with it. Yeah. I personally am agnostic on the issue. Well, do you know why it would suck? Because Mockingbird is a massive character, and I don't think we're going to see Laura back in the future on the show. So it would be just throwing out Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. for the purpose of giving Laura a connection to the to the Marvel comics. Um, there's loads of other car- characters. As I say, Laura Brown be a great choice. Bring her into the MCU. Say she's a former S.H.I.E.L.D. agent. Set that up. Sort it out. No problem at all. If you're going to recast a character as cool as Mockingbird make sure they're going to be useful in upcoming movies and upcoming TV shows. Uh, and then you don't throw out Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. So that's why that's why I dislike it. There we go. Writers of Hawkeye, Bob's your uncle, Fanny's your aunt. Uh, Derek has the solution. Um, yes, he does. So thanks, 084, for your controversy. Yes, 084, thank you so much. Let's move on over to Facebook, where Brandy Elise Anderson had this to say. Now I'm wondering what is going on with Laura. Is there a backstory we don't know about? Was she a former S.H.I.E.L.D. agent? All of a sudden she's Clint's man in the chair? Could the watch be one of Tony's Iron Man gauntlets? With the Ronin gear getting out, it would be no surprise for some Stark gear to get out too. Especially if it could lead to the Armor Wars. Yeah, I've seen this more and more now. This is a couple of times people mentioning Armor Wars. I keep forgetting about it. That's definitely a good one. Brandy went on to say, Eleanor calling it Avengers level threat definitely made me think of Mysterio. Another villain hiding in plain sight. Who's on that phone, Eleanor? Your fellow crime boss? Mm-hmm. Elena is a shot Kate didn't take. If they were to become friends later on, it would be a glorious hot mess. I definitely want to see. Yeah, I did not think of that great point, Brandy. This is perfect. Like, it's kismet in that the shot that Clint didn't take was Natasha, his best friend. And now, potentially, the shot that Kate didn't take could be Elena, another Black Widow, Hawkeye and Black Widow. Mm. History repeating itself. I love it. Absolutely love it. And I'd love to see the wisecracking 
Kate Bishop and the wisecracking Yelena Belova yeah. together uh, yeah. on screen. That would be so cool. Yeah. Uh, and hopefully we'll see that in the show, right? <laughs> Absolutely. I'm loving that, Brandy. It's a, a, a great take that you you took from uh, from the show. There you go. Uh, and uh, yeah, we all like to watch hot messes. Um, they are invariably beautiful. Um, <laughs> also over on Facebook, Claire Payne says... Yes, the New York LARPers are back. Another five out of five episode for me personally. Just brilliant from start to end. Donald Dennis says, A great episode with lots of feels, some decent action, and a bit of plot advancement. Laura's covert mission handling skills were an interesting development. I wonder what agency she worked for, and if we will find that Black Widow introduced her to to Clint. Mm. Those strange-shaped chairs the adults were sitting in for the family movie were super cool. Ugly pattern, but a very interesting shape. Stratego is a two-player board game. How were they supposed to play it as a family? (laughs) Also, is anyone getting used to the Sword Boy's moustache? It seems practically normal. Yes, we have been desensitized to the the Zorro-twirling tash of old uh, Jacques... Ducanesque, um, or Duquesne, as you are supposed to say it. Mm-hmm. Um, Donald continues, I really thought that old TV was a goner when she started launching coins <laughs> at it. Who even has a TV that old? Aunties, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and the Yelena fight was interesting and feels like it is really setting things up for the future. Mm-hmm. Thanks so much, uh, Donald, for, for that. Um, yes, I don't think I've ever played Stratego, so mm-hmm. uh, I am not entirely clear on the rules of engagement there. Uh, but uh, I'm kind of intrigued now. Mm-hmm. Uh, big board game fan. Mm-hmm. But even I'm trying to participate in what are your questions going to be from uh, from the show because I've written in my notes. Uh, Jack proposes board game uh, Risk Yahtzee Stratego. So I was wondering whether that was going to be your question for the public. <laughs> <laughs> so it wasn't, but uh, but that's where that's where that came from. I've never never played Stratego at all. Yeah, and Claire, I'm totally with you on the uh, New York LARPers being back. Um, really good to see. Uh, thank you, Claire and Donald for the feedback. Really good uh, as always. Absolutely. Heather Wallace also sends a feedback on Facebook. She says, really good episode. I hope this series quietens all the critics who have found Hawkeye superfluous to the Avengers and weren't fans of Jeremy Renner's portrayal. His version of Clint Barton has always been very different to the comics. Hearing him talk about being a weapon someone pointed at a target was so in line with his role in The Hurt Locker, a soldier so weary by what he's done. Seeing him as the ultra-violent Ronan in Endgame was a shock. But as he revealed here, he was never a hero. He was trained to be a killer. He was the killer sent to take down Thor. And Ronan was just continuing with what he knew. It went a long way to reconciling the pre- and post-snap Clint. It made sense that seeing Kate go over a ledge was the point he had to make her stop. He was reliving how how Natasha died. It crystallized why I was so unsettled by Kate calling herself his partner and even his BFF. Not just that he's at least 20 years older than her, and it's arrogant her, and it's arrogant of her to call herself that when she's known in two days, but because Natasha was his partner and his actual best friend. So happy to see Yelena. I'm assuming Eleanor's phone call triggered Val's visit to Yelena at the end of Black Black Widow. Did Eleanor call Val directly, or did her associate take out the hit? Does Clint know Yelena is Natasha's adopted sister, or does he just recognize Black Widow regalia? Now, I would assume that. Clint definitely recognizes the Black Widow regalia, but would this story have come over 
to Clint from Natasha. They stayed in contact the whole time from Infinity War into Endgame. At the end of Black Widow, she's going off to Infinity War. They stayed in contact the whole time, so she would probably have told Clint this story about about her sister and meeting up with her family. So, uh, Of course. He's going to ask her where she got her amazing jacket. Exactly. And she's going to say... I got it from my sister, who's now actually a Black Widow and really cool. Yeah. Like, that's it's going to come up when you wear a cool jacket like that with all those pockets. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. <laughs> Thanks so much for your feedback, Heather. Yeah, thank you so much, Heather. Yes, thank you so much, Heather. We've also got some feedback from Victor Von Doom, who had this to say. The episode was great with a nice action scene payoff. A lot of plot ground was also covered. I wonder where and when Elena was going to enter the story. We know that Elena Val connection. Now Jack May attracts you connection. Who is uncle? Jack, who hired who? Mm-hmm. Good point, Victor. Yeah, we're going to find out two hours left. <laughs> I think some of it will be revealed. Yep. I still, more and more now, I'm thinking we're not going to get everything we want. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a bit like life, you know. Oh, too, I took that too deep. Mm-hmm. But taking it back up again, we're going to talk about some feedback from Diane Debrin Mascal, who had this to say, I am falling in love with Jack. Is that wrong? (laughs) He's so damn charming, but he is a Hydra. Every time we get an answer, more questions are raised. Speaking of Hydras, Eleanor warmed my heart with her serious mum vibes, and then boom, back to Machiavellian. Using Clint's love of family was intense. I wish I believed that all she wanted was to protect Kate. I am digging Laura's details. I want more of that story. And the Christmas movie night, Chef's Kiss. Am I right, Chris? <laughs> Jeff's Kiss, even better. <laughs> so, very Kate and Clint. Mm-hmm. The LARPers are back and I couldn't be more wonderful on so many levels. Yelena, that intro was awesome. Was waiting for her earring show, but the circumstances which were so fraught, it caught me by surprise. Although once I saw Maya was in the apartment, I shouted Yelena so loud, it was a good thing I was home alone. <laughs> Rooftop fight scenes are always awesome. Show This show continues to deliver in every way. Humor, drama and devastating emotional punches. Even knowing our main characters aren't in real danger, I'm still worried for them. What an awesome sleigh ride. Can't wait to hear your point of view. Thanks so much, Deanna. And yeah, I really like that. The show continues in every way. Humor, drama, devastating emotional punches. That is the tagline. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's just, no, you just go, humor, action, drama, devastating emotional punches. <laughs> it's coming from a 60s movie, Emotion. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure the tagline they'd actually go with is an awesome sleigh ride. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, no, a sleigh ride of emotion oh, like and drama it, like and it. action. <laughs> thanks, Deanna. Yeah, thanks so much, Deanna. Dr. Bob Phillips says, I'm a weapon. The whole of that scene did for me what I need. What I didn't need. I realized the light of this story has a heavy dark underneath. Sad the watch isn't in Pizza Dog, though. <laughs> <laughs> That Everyone would... really wants that watch in Pizza Dog. It's our fault. We said it in episode one. We were expected to happen for three episodes, and now they've just revealed that wasn't even on the table. I guess uh, there's a lot was, of... Actually, no, it was on the it table. Was it was on the... Yeah. <laughs> I, I guess our fellow defenders have a lot of experience of their 
they're dogs eating random objects that <laughs> materialize in the middle of the living room floor, I guess. I guess so. I guess so. Thanks, Dr. Bob. Yeah, thanks, Bob. Doug Green says, setting them up as LARPers and other people who are used to handling crises instead of just residents in the building means that when the plot with the tracksuit mafia comes to a head, the LARPers can actually do something about those bros while Kate and Clint deal with bigger issues. Oh, that's a great catch. Yeah, though. I like that. Yeah. That's what I mean. I, I think there could be a really good group of sidekicks here for, for mm-hmm. Kate. Exactly. Thanks, Doug. Yeah, thank you so much, Doug. Lara Willie Swink says, I'm so behind. Only two episodes in. My watch partner is knee-deep in finals, rehearsals, and holiday performances and has forbidden me from watching without her. (laughs) Don't worry. Don't worry, Lara. Uh, You will get there. You will get there. Um, And so hopefully... Yeah, you, you catch up quickly enough, but it'll all be in time for Christmas. It'll be a great Christmas being. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Uh, thank you, Laura, for, for the feedback. Greg Schwab says, I like the reality of not being able to attach trick arrowheads to random shafts. The LARPers will continue to be my favorite side characters, I think. Mm-hmm. And the small things like not wanting to give up your personalized bag, even to a superhero, make it more specific and therefore seeming more real or at least more possible. And nice to see the post-credit scene of Black Widow paying off. Uh, absolutely, Greg. Um, totally with you on the LARPers. Uh, I love all their LARPing uh, around. Mm-hmm. And uh, yes, uh, it's great to see Elena in here uh, and have uh, her character um Back in the MCU. Yeah, really good. Thanks, Greg. Thank you so much, Greg. And thank you to all our fellow defenders who have been sending us in feedback across all our multiple platforms. If you want to send us in feedback for what you think of episode five or six or the series in general, you can email it to feedback at tvpodcastindustry.com. Head on over to our groups at facebook.com slash groups slash tvpodcastindustries. You can also find us on all usual social places. Not TikTok. We don't do TikTok. I'm old. We're mm-hmm. old. We don't do TikTok. But you know what we do do? We do do Patreon because Patreon is great and it helps keep the engine's going, the hamster in the wheel, and all those other things. Actually, I'm going to say Kips keep Pizza Dog in pizza. There you go. That <laughs> makes sense. Am I Pizza Dog? You are Pizza Dog. Oh, you are yeah. one-eyed dog right now. <laughs> <laughs> but if you would like to keep our one-eyed dog editor and producer-in-chief in pizza, please head on to patreon.com slash tvpodcastindustry. Or if you want to keep him in coffee, head on over to buymeacoffee.com slash tvpi. But... If you don't have any bucks, don't worry. You can also just write us a review on Apple Podcasts or any other podcast catcher or place. Why not share the love? Because sharing the love is also sharing a podcast. There we have it. Ladies, gentlemen, fellow defenders and pizza dogs who have not eaten the watch. So you are good boys. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes, yes. We'll be back next week with the fifth episode the penultimate episode of this season of hawkeye but don't forget we'll also be back tomorrow with episode six of our wheel in time discussion called the flame or tar of the lawn mm-hmm. if you're not joining us for wheel of time go catch up on amazon prime really really good show uh, check it out and uh, catch up with us in the podcast there's uh, also two episodes left of wheel of time as well uh, and it's been a great show to watch um, i'm a total novice in this world didn't know anything before the show started 
Um, and I'm really uh, deep into it now. Really enjoying the show so far. Yes. If you just think of LARP has gone crazy. And <laughs> um, that's all you need to think of uh, with regards to the Wheel of Time. And there's an archer in that show as well. There is. And there's a guy going, ice wall, ice wall, ice wall. Not in that show, but it was in this show. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll talk to you again next time. Speak to you again soon. Bye. Yeah, thank you so much, fellow defenders. Remember, keep watching, keep listening, and keep defending. See you next time. Bye. Bye.